together at Lane's house one day last year and just all talking about, you know, fitness and all that kind of stuff. And they're talking about running. And, of course, I've never been a long-distance runner. I, I don't really like to run. You know, why run when I can drive kind of thing. So, <laughs> anyway, you know, I mean, I could run from the car into the building in certain weather, but okay. And don't get mad at me. I do my exercise in other kind of ways, all right? But um, so we were talking about it. And all these runner guys uh, were talking, and, and, and they, they, they all started talking about this thing called the wall. Um, how many of you runners understand that, that whole, the wall? Yeah, you guys understand it, right? And they said there's the, the wall, and it's not a literal wall, but there's this, there's this time. And, and all of them agreed that somewhere around the 20-mile mark in a marathon, marathon is just a little over 26 miles, and around the 20-mile mark, they just start hitting this, the wall, and their muscles are fatigued, their mind starts playing games on. How many know, how many would be like me, it, it wouldn't take 20 miles to get there. You could do that a lot sooner, right? We're faster learners than the rest of them, right? And, and so, it, I mean, like a mile into it, I'd be hitting the wall, right? And so, um, but, but they talk about the wall, where it just everything in them just wants to give up, and there becomes this kind of like this psychological battle for them to just press through. And I think all of us, I think if we've lived long enough and we've had goals in our life and, and are trying to reach our potential in life, I think all of us really, we can relate, we understand to this whole idea of hitting the wall, hitting the wall emotionally, hitting the wall maybe in our finances, our marriage, whatever the walk is. And, and if not that, we can probably relate to the Derek Redman who physically had fallen down and Maybe some of us understand what that feels like spiritually or emotionally. And just, man, I'm just not sure that I want to go on. And, and, and so the scripture verse that is kind of our foundation is Hebrews chapter number 12. And right out of Hebrews 11, the, the writer talks about all these great heroes, men and women who have gone before us and have run this race. And they've faced the wall, and they've stumbled, and they've fallen, and they've been out of the race, and they've all got back into it, and they've finished their race. And so Hebrews 12.1 says, since we are surrounded by all of these people, let us run this race. Since, in other words, they're in the grandstands, and they're cheering us on. And, and, and it's like they're saying, I've been there. I've gone through those feelings. I've had those setbacks. I've been discouraged. I've been let down. And, 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 and he says, you guys can do it. And I want to echo them today. And I, want to ch I just want to encourage every person, you can do it. You're going to reach it. No matter what your outward circumstance looks right now, your best days are still ahead. And last week we seen Noah come down out of the stands and and he threw a shoulder under some of us and put an arm around us and said, come on, we're going to finish this race. And, and so what we're doing every week is picking one thing that each one of these heroes would say to us. And, and last week we heard Noah say, one man can make a difference. And I was so encouraged by all of the response that we got. Some people just needed to hear that again, that I can make a difference in my family, in my generation. I can make a difference for God. Well, this week out of the stands comes a man by the name of Joseph. It's Jacob's son, and he comes out. And I think that when Joseph comes, I think he would start saying some things and start having some conversation and, and encouraging us and saying, look, I'm getting ready to give you a word. And this word is for all of those who feel like your life has not gone the way you thought it would go. 
Has anybody here ever felt like somewhere in your journey, in this thing called life, things have not gone exactly how you thought they would go? I didn't think that at this age I'd be planting a church. I thought I'd be at a whole different place in my life. But sometimes things don't go exactly how we think they would go. And if we're not careful, the enemy can use that to discourage us. And if you're one of those people today, I want you to know, here comes Joseph. And talk about the credibility. Talk about the resume to be able, the credentials to be able to say Hey, look, let me talk to those that feel like life has not gone the way that you think that it should go. I was 19 years old and God put on my heart to plant a church. And I are just a pastor and I felt like that we would pastor one of the greatest churches ever. And how many know you have those kind of crazy dreams when you're 19? I thought I was going to change the world when I was 19. And now that I'm none of your business age, I, I want you to know that now I'm just trying to conquer myself. You know, change myself. How many can understand what I'm talking about on that? And and so, um, and, and, and I felt like I was on my way to reaching that potential and those goals that God had put in my heart, only to one day wake up and find myself in the pit instead of the palace. And that's Joseph's life. God gave him a great dream. And from the moment that God gave him this great goal, he moved in the opposite direction of the thing God was calling and I think if Joseph was here today, I think he would stand us up on that field, on that race, in that race. And I think he would say to us, don't give up on your dreams. I think that's, that, that's the word that he would say to us. Matter of fact, I think he would make it probably a little more simple than that. I think he would say, just don't give up. And I just have a feeling in a room this size with this many people here today, I have a feeling there's probably some people here today that you're here and emotionally, maybe spiritually, maybe even in your marriage, you're ready to check out. You're ready to throw in the towel. And I'm not talking about life. I'm just talking about, man, you know what? Life has kind of beat me down. And I didn't expect to have this sickness. And I didn't have, expect to go through this divorce. I didn't expect to be in bankruptcy. I didn't expect my business to fail. I, I really didn't think my kids would be off in rebellion. And life hasn't gone the way you thought that it would. And, and, and you're discouraged and you feel alone in the race. And you're ready to just give up on that dream because it seems so distant. But I want you to hear Joseph say, don't you dare doubt in the dark times what God gave you in the light times. And his word to us today is don't give up on your dreams. How many know that's a good word already, right? And I recognize here today that not everybody's in that boat. Some of you are like, well, man, I'm good. Everything's great. That's okay. Take this sermon note. Follow along with me. Fill in, or not fill in the blanks, but write the notes today. Get a free sermon binder. Put it in the sermon binder. Stick it on a shelf somewhere and mark it with a red X. Because I promise you, if you live long enough, if you have some big goals, if you have some great expectations in life, I promise you there's going to come at least one day. Okay, for you per positive people, there's going to at least be one hour where you second guess, man, this is not where I expected. And I want you to pull that out and remember what Joseph is saying to us. And, and if it's not you, because I, I, maybe it's not you, but save these notes for somebody that you know. Because I promise you there's going to be somebody that's trying to accomplish something in life. And the devil starts lying and saying, you've gone too wrong. 
has anybody besides me ever felt like, man, I messed up and I don't know if I can get there from here? Well, those are lies of the enemy. And Joseph is here to speak to us today. And you know, for me, when I started off in ministry, and I don't want to make this about me at all, but when I started off in ministry at 19 years old, man, I had all these great expectations and things that I thought that I would accomplish. And I didn't realize, maybe I was naive, and, and this is even a tough report to give, but I didn't realize that pastors have a terrible track record. And I don't necessarily mean morally given in, but... The statistics are alarming how many men and women of God start in full-time ministry when they're in their 20s. There are very few of them that are still in the ministry by the time they reach their 60s. And I've decided in my life, it, does not, it doesn't matter what it takes, I'm going to be there in my 60s and 70s and 80s, and as long as Jesus will keep putting wind in my, in my lungs. Amen? And, uh, amen. And, 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 and I don't know... This alarms me, and I just read this recently, but pastors have the second highest divorce rate amongst all professionals. They're not finishing the race. And, and maybe they're preaching about Joseph, but they're not letting Joseph preach to them. 70% of all pastors in full-time ministry don't have one person that they consider a real friend in their life. And so I've heard from Joseph, and I've let Joseph preach into my life. And I almost gave up on my dreams, but I heard him say the things that, I, that he's going to share with us today. And that's one of the reasons that we do life proactively. And we decide that we're not going to be an event-driven church. We're going to be a relationship-driven church. And it reminds me every week when I'm sitting in one of my small groups and, and just hanging out with people that I'm not going to be 70% that doesn't have somebody as a close friend. I'm going to do life with people, and my best friends are going to be the people that I do church with. Come on. How many think that's a good idea today? Not just for me, but for you also. And so that's just that. that. That's just the life of a pastor. But every profession, every situation, we have those give up kind of moments. Like, is it really worth it? Is this marriage really worth it? Is, is this hope? Is this dream? Is this aspiration? Is it really worth it? Well... In order for us to hear from Joseph, I think we've got to go back and, and let's just kind of dive into the middle of his story. Genesis chapter number 37 tells us a few things, and I'm just going to pull a few verses out. You can jot at least the reference down in your scriptures. It says, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, and when suddenly my sheave rose up and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now, how many know we're going to give Joseph an A-plus for the vision and dream he had? But we're probably going to give him an F for how he communicated that dream to his brothers, right? I mean, come on, dude. You, you, let, let's, let's help you by what you're saying. But anyway... It goes on and he says, his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because, his, because of his dream and what he had said. Verse number 19 starts kind of in the middle of the story. The brothers are plotting against him. Now, it's one thing to have sibling rivalry, but these guys are getting ready to throw their brother into human trafficking. And that was plan B after first deciding they were going to kill him. It says, here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. 
then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Wow, there's some that, that's starting off pretty bad. How many would agree? From the moment he shared his dream, things began to go completely the opposite direction. I've seen people come to an altar. I've married probably, I don't know, but well into the hundreds of people. And I see two people come to an altar with love in their eyes and dreams and little white houses with a, with a swing on the front porch. And man, life is good. And from the moment they say, I do, some of them just seem to move farther and farther away. And life doesn't seem to pan out the way they intended for it to. But I want you to know, if you're one of those people, man, I'm telling you, where you're at is not where you have to stay today. There's four things that I want to pull out of the life of Joseph. Four things that I believe we can learn from Joseph's story about not giving up. Are you ready for them? Here they are. Number one. The first thing we can learn from Joseph is don't give up on your dreams even if they don't start off so well. Don't give up on your dreams even if they don't start off the best. Or even if they don't start off so well. I feel extremely fortunate in life and very blessed by the Lord uh, my my family life is better than I could ever imagine. My relationship with my two kids is amazing. My marriage, I feel very fortunate that I am married to my best friend in life, and she's still madly in love with me. I'm telling you, I'm fired up. Amen. Yeah. And so, and I just am grateful that I feel like I have a great marriage. But I want to say something before you only see the good side. Let me be honest enough and turn over the coin and let you know that it didn't start off too great. I never had a role model and I didn't have mentors and I never seen a man treat my, uh, uh, treat my mother good. And I didn't have a father to teach me how to uh, uh, treat a woman and how to be a father and how to be a, a husband. And, and, and because of that, there's a lot of other issues that I won't get into. But I, I grew up without really uh, um, feeling this, this sense of abandonment by my father. And, and that creates all kind of insecurities and all kind of identity crises in life. And, and, and if you've ever wrestled with insecurity, which I have a feeling all of us have insecurities in some area of our life. And it was those insecurities that, 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 that caused there to be a, a control issue in my life. And I wanted to control every situation. How many know a controlling person does not make for a good spouse? And, and I take 99.99% of all of the issues that we had because I was insecure and it created all kind of control issues. I had unresolved hurts and disappointments and wounds in my life. And many times when we stuff those un unresolved hurts in our life, then what happens is it manifests in anger. And I was angry and I was controlling. And let me tell you, that is so a million miles away from where we are today in our marriage. And I, I remember hearing Joseph's say this, where you're at is not where you have to stay. Don't give up on your dreams, even when they don't start that good. And I was fortunate to have a wife that refused to look in the background, but decided to look in the future and recognize that our best days, no matter what it looks like today, our best days are yet ahead. See, she decided to do life looking out the windshield instead of looking out the rear view mirror. Are you hearing me? 
You know, it's very interesting in a car how a car has a rear view mirror that's about that big and a windshield that's a whole lot bigger than that. And I want to say to you, that's the way we got to do life. We got to do life not looking in the rear view mirror of all the mistakes and the, and the failures that we've had. We've got to leave them in the past where they belong and begin to drive toward your bright future looking out the windshield of life because once again, where you're at is not where you have to stay. And don't give up on your dreams even if they don't start so well. And you know, the devil is amazing at reminding us of our past mistakes. How many of you know that, right? And he'll say things, well, because you failed in your first marriage or this relationship, your next one can't be successful. And that's a lie of the enemy. And he's always trying to use our past and our mistakes against us. It reminds me of the story of the guy that went in the pet store. He walked in the pet store. He's looking around. He sees this beautiful parrot. He's up on his perch. And I mean, he's just beautiful. And he's chattering. And, 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 and he gets a little closer to the parrot. And the parrot says, what? You're the ugliest thing I've ever seen. I mean, no, that's not what you want to see in the, here in the pet store. And the owner of the pet store goes up and reprimands the parrot. And, and you know, threatens him and says, don't ever say that to our customers again. Well, two or three weeks later, the guy came back in the store. He's looking around. And the parrot says, hey, man. And the guy looks over and says, what? And the parrot says, you know. <laughs> the devil will always find creative, subtle ways to remind us that we've failed in the past. But if you'll allow God, it's those past bumps that we can climb on to get to a higher level. Am I right about it, right? It's interesting because all of those that are cheering us on in this race, they've fallen somewhere. They've hit the wall. They've had a bad day. They've missed the mark. But all of them finished the race and you can finish the race also. I mean, think about Paul who wrote two thirds of the New Testament. Man, this guy, he murdered Christians. Matter of fact, let's look at his life and act, or excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter number 1. He's talking to his protege and he says, I thank Christ, our Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength. That he has considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. Because I acted in ignorance. In other words, I had a terrible past. But I decided not to live life looking in the rearview mirror. I've decided to live life looking out the windshield. Heading toward my destiny and the future that God has for me. I think the second thing that Joseph would say to us. I think he would say, don't give up. Even when those closest to you aren't supporting you. And I don't know if you've ever had this feeling in life. But man, it is a lonely place when those that are the closest to you, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a mom or a dad, maybe it's a friend, and you begin to dream and you begin to buy into where I'm at is not where I have to stay. And those that are the closest to you that you need the greatest support from, they don't support you. I don't know if you've ever been there, but man, those voices seem to carry a lot of weight. Sometimes a lot of us get discouraged because of rejection and abandonment and lack of encouragement and even voices in the past. But can I tell you that even Jesus dealt with this? Jesus, his own disciples didn't believe in him sometimes. Hey, you, you think that's bad? His own family didn't believe in him sometimes. Matter of fact, I recently shared with you a, a message out of Mark chapter number six. But let's look at it again. 
And, and, and these guys are talking about Jesus. And, and, you know, we read it like, isn't this the carpenter? Well, there's a little attitude. There's a little curled lip up when they're saying this. Like, who does he think he is? Kind of attitude. And they say, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? In other words, aren't you just flesh and blood just like us? Who do you think you are to try to be somebody? Who do you think you are to try to move up the ladder and do better? That's not the way we were raised. I don't know if you've ever heard those voices, but Jesus did. He says, aren't you the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Aren't they his sisters here with us? And they took offense. The scripture goes on. You can jot that reference down. But Jesus said, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house, is a prophet without honor. In other words, he had people that didn't believe in him. He's just a carpenter. And think about Joseph. His own flesh and blood. The ones that should have believed in him. His brothers. That should have said, man, we're championing that. We're going to get behind you. In fact, they didn't even try to kill him. They put him in human trafficking. And man, how devastating it can be when those around you don't believe in you. That's why at New Generations, we're going to create a culture, and we're going to have a culture that always is somebody putting a hand on your shoulder saying, you can do it. Your best days are yet ahead. Amen? Amen. Amen. Number three, I think the third thing that Joseph would say to us is I think that he would say, don't give up on your dreams, even if your journey is full of surprises. Has anybody here ever had surprises in your journey? Unexpected things that have happened, like what in the world just happened? I have found in life, and I've lived long enough now to recognize that when you get a dream and a vision and an aspiration, I've come to discover, and I was going to say almost never, but I am convinced it never goes from point A to point B without a zigzag. And I have zigged where I should have zagged and zagged where I should have zigged. How many can relate to what I'm talking about? In other words, when God gives you this thing and you start heading toward it, when a couple comes to the altar and, 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 and gets married, it's never like, it's never a straight shot to that perfect marriage. It's never a straight shot to the white house with a little white picket fence. It's never a straight shot with no ups and downs. Matter of fact, there's ebbs and flows. There's mountaintops and valley lows. I'm not talking about our moods. I'm just talking about the circumstances that come. And I am convinced that while we cannot control what we go through, we can control how we go through those things. If this is you and you're starting off in life at point A, this is the start of the new business. This is the start of the new marriage. This is the start of the new church. This is the new beginning for us and our family, whatever that looks like. And, and this is this is what where you're going to go. Man, we start off with great expectations. Our, our dreams, man, this is great. I'm, I'm heading there. But I'm going to tell you, and I don't mean to discourage you. I just want to be truthful with you and say, there's going to be days that don't always look like this. They look like that. Because somebody lied about you. Somebody cheated on you. Somebody did something to you. We can't control what we go through. And I have discovered that there's a lot of zigs and zags and ups and downs and highs and lows. And, and sometimes there's good days and sometimes there's bad days. But God is always good. And what we have to do is just keep getting up and put one foot in front of the other. And believe that where we're at is not where we have to stay. And God is faithful and He will work it out. And He is the author and the finisher of our 
our faith. And what He started, He is able to complete in my life. Do you believe it? And it might end up looking like this. Right? That's how it might end up looking. Just like that. But here's the good news. The good news is you're still going to get there. See, I'm convinced that God brings us through these moments in life. Because if He did everything automatically, we wouldn't need to depend on Him. And it is in these moments of life where we're in the downturns of life. It is in those moments of life that God is working something in us to make us strong enough with the right character to be able to hold the bounty that is going to come when we reach that goal. Are you tracking with me? As a matter of fact, we see it in Joseph's life. Let's just take Joseph for a moment. He had a lot of go up moments, but he had a lot of give up moments. I call these the give up moments, like you have the opportunity to give up. I call these go up moments, give up, go up, give up, go up, give up. And I think if you've run this race and you've had goals in your life, there's always been those moments where you consider, come on, let's not be pious here. We've all in those dark times at night wondered, man, should I keep trying to make this work? The give up moments and the go up. Did God really put that in my heart? Man, did God really say plan a church? Joseph had those moments. He had this great vision of what God was going to do in his life. Let's just take a look at his life for a moment. The moment that he got his, this vision, this goal, this idea. Number one, he, misunder, he was misunderstood by his family. I would call that a give up moment. All right? I mean, it's like, really? I just, I just came from new generations. And man, I'm on fire. God put a vision in my heart. Guys, listen to this. And they didn't like it. That's a give up moment. Oh, maybe I missed God. And then he went from there, he went to being sold into slavery. How many know that's a give up moment? And then from there, from there, guess what happens? Now he's living in a strange country. That's a give up moment. But, and then from there, he's given favor and a promotion by Potiphar. Hey, that's a go up moment. Right? But, but that's not where it ends. He's accused of rape. I mean, that's a major give up moment, right? And then he's thrown into prison. There's another give up moment. And then he's put in charge of all the prisoners. Hey, there's a little light at the end of the tunnel. There's a go up moment. And then, watch this, he's forgotten about in prison. He's supposed to get out and they forgot. That's another give up moment. God, where are you? And then he remained in prison for two years longer. How many know that's a give up moment? But I'm glad that Joseph didn't give up on stage six or seven or eight or nine. Because eventually, if you just keep doing the right thing and being consistent and persistent and being faithful and not getting weary in well-doing, God says that a harvest will come. Look at number 10. He interpreted Pharaoh's dream and he was put second in charge of the entire kingdom and the entire empire. And I want to say to you that some of you right now might be right in the middle of a give up moment. And you're just one step away from the biggest go up moment that your life has ever seen. And Joseph would say, don't you dare give up now. You're just one day away. You're one phone call away. You're one counseling away. You're one day away from your biggest go up moment that you've ever had. Come on. Give the Lord a good hand on that today. I would hear Joseph just get up and say, hey, look, 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 I'm just glad I didn't stop. I hung on to Romans 8.28. You know what Romans 8.28 says? It says, and we know that in all things, everybody say that with me, all things. Say it one more time. All, all things. God works for the good of those who love him 
and who have been called according to his purpose. He just kept on loving God. He just kept on believing. And God took it all and he worked it for his glory. Isn't that a great word from Joseph today? One more thing I think he'd say to us. I think he'd say, don't give up on your dreams. Even if it's taken a long time to get there. Do you know from the time that he shared his dream with his brothers to the time he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and got put in second in charge, 23 years passed. 23 years of go up, give up. Go up, give up. Good days, tough days. 23 years. But he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And don't give up in the middle of the walk. Get back up. There's still a finish line. There's still a great day. There's still a blessing that is waiting. I was going through this message yesterday. I didn't catch this when I wrote it. I started in ministry when I was 19 years old. And just two, three years ago, God began to stir my heart about what he would do as we planted a new church. Even before I knew where we were going to plant a church, God began to stir my heart. And do you know that it was 23 years after I started in ministry to the day that God began to kindle in my life of what we are seeing right here, right now? I believe our best days are yet ahead. We've had some give-ups and some go-ups, and we've had some good days and bad days. But I believe that God was taking all of that to build up inside of me and inside of you the fortitude and the character that we need to reach the destinies that God has for us. Can you agree with me on that? You know, there's a scripture that I love. It's found in Habakkuk chapter number 2, verse number 2 through 3. And it says this, and I want to encourage you with this. In fact, the word revelation is just another word for vision. It says, write down the revelation or write down the vision and make it plain on tablets so that the herald may run with it. In my Bible, I have written out there, write it, read it, and run it. Sometimes you just got to write it down. And, um, and, and it goes on and he says, for the, for the vision awaits an appointed time. See, God didn't put something inside of you just to tease you with it. He said, there's an appointed time. And, and, and Ken, you weren't ready for the fulfillment of the vision I put in you when you were 20. You weren't ready for it at 25. You weren't even ready for it at 30. And I brought you through some highs and lows to prepare you for that fulfillment of that now. Watch this. But the vision awaits an appointed time. It speaks of an end. In other words, there's a finish line. It's there. Watch this. It speaks of an end and will not prove false. Though it lingers. Though it doesn't happen instant society. Though it doesn't happen when you think, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. What God has put in you, it's going to come to pass if you don't give up. Come on, let Joseph speak to us about keep on running our race. Amen? Amen. That's what Joseph would say to us. I think Joseph would say, you know what, guys? God is more concerned with who you're becoming than what you're accomplishing. I think God's more concerned with what's going on in here than what's going on out here. Ken, I love you so much. I I, want to change what's on the inside of you. I care more about your heart than all the things that you do. Now, we got to let Joseph go sit down. 
And we got to keep running our race. But before he does, let me just give you a couple last comments before we close up. I think that right before Joseph, and I personalize it, I, I, I think that Joseph looking at me and saying, Ken, let me just give you a couple more things. Be sure to focus on what happens in you and not what happens to you. And I need Joseph to tell me that a lot. I don't know about you guys, but man, I need, hey, Joe, come here. What was you saying again? Because you have no idea what I'm going through. He'd say, hey, Ken, make sure you focus what's happening in you and not what's happening to you. Man, what a great word. I think that we have the ability to speed up the things that we go through by how fast we decide to catch a hold and learn. And once we learn it, we get to go to the next level. See, when you're going through a tough time, you can waller in it, and you can complain about it, and you can get down, and you can begin to let fear come in, and then you agree with fear, and when you agree with fear, you give fear the license to let that thing start happening. Or you can reject fear and get into the Word of God and get into God's will and discover, hey God, what are you trying to teach me through this? And when we learn it, we can get through that thing faster. In other words, I believe that we get things either through revelation or situation in life. And you can come to church on a Sunday and take sermon notes and go, wow, I need to make that adjustment in my life. But God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And if you don't get it through revelation, he'll allow you to be in a situation because he wants you to get that. He wants to build the character on the inside of you. James says it this way. Just jot this down. Chapter number one, verse number two and four. Consider it pure joy, my brother. Others, whenever you face trials, this guy must be on drugs. Uh, but he says, hey, consider it pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Watch this and not lacking in anything. Can you weren't ready at 25 to do what you're doing now? I know it looked more successful than but I'm not looking at that. You weren't ready back then. Now, after you've been through some fire and some give-ups and go-ups, now you're not lacking. Just let God complete His work in our life. That's what Joseph would say. I think he'd say one more thing. I think he'd say, your response to an offense will, de deter will determine your future. Your response to an offense. I would imagine if I asked for a show of hands, how many of you here has ever been done wrong or offended? Somebody lied about you, cheated about you, somebody Facebooked something that wasn't true about you, right? I think everybody would have to raise their hand. We live in a fallen world and bad people do bad things and evil things are constantly going on because we live in a fallen world. But Joseph, you talk about somebody that has the credibility to say your response to an offense will, deter will determine your future more than anything else. I think Joseph would say, come on guys, I was sold out by my brothers and now my brothers are standing before me begging me for food because they're in a famine and I have the legal right to have them persecuted and killed. He could have got the ultimate revenge. And you know what he says to his brothers? Hey guys, what you meant to do to harm me, God used that to polish off the rough edges in me and put me in a position to be a blessing. Wow. He has the credibility to talk about it. Amen. See, Joseph realized we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not Joe or Bob or Sue or Sam that I'm fighting against. God's just using those things that rub up against me the wrong way to make me ready for what he has for me in my life. It's not about them. It's about me. 
I think Joseph would say it this way. I, I think he would say this. I think he would say, revenge is not worth it. He could have killed his brothers. I think he, here's how I think he'd say it. Real simple. I think he'd say travel light. Because you're in a race. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us cast off every sin, every offense, every hurt that so easily entangles us so that we can run this race and get to the destiny that God has for us. He'd just say, travel light. Yeah, hey, Ken, people are going to do you wrong. Just get over it. Travel light. Keep... Keep focused. Don't get over here. Just keep focused on Jesus, the author and the finisher. Keep running toward the prize. Lastly, and I close, I think he would say this. I think he'd say, hey, as I return, I want you to know, Ken, everything in life is worth fighting for. Everything good in life is worth fighting for. Good marriage doesn't come accidentally. You've got to work at it. Good financial world, it doesn't just come automatically. You know, we have too many people with a lottery mindset. It just doesn't happen. You've got to work at it. I think he would say every dream will go through a tough time. Every dream, you'll have to pay the price. Every dream has a tough I dreamed of this church, and I'll just tell you, there will be people that will come and say, wow, there's an amazing thing. But I can tell you, there have been some tough times. There's been some lonely times. There's been some times driving a truck across America going, what in the world am I doing? There's some tough times. There's some give up, give ups, and some go ups. Every dream has some tough times. But I'm telling you, Joseph would say it's worth it. So get back up, strengthen those knees, start putting one foot in front of the other, because where you're at is not where you have to stay. You received that word today? Come on, let's get going.